Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Reske. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Well, uh, Tom, you have put together a really cool website that has all kinds of resources. It's First of all, share your website domain name, and then do you have a favorite ministry uh, resource on your website or maybe a, a few of them? Uh, the website is called catapultministries.org. Um, they're really two, it's a simple website. I we developed it just to post materials at, at our phase in life. We, uh, I don't have time to market and move things, uh, you know, and books and things like that. So they're all free downloads. Uh, any of the Bible studies there are PDFs and they're downloadable. You can just punch hole and put them in a folder. And we designed it so that somebody said uh, you can meet with a guy and challenge him to discipleship or meet with me for eight weeks to go through some material and he doesn't have to wait for a few days to buy a book. He can say, go to the website, download this PDF, and we'll get started on Monday. And so we wanted to make it as simple and transferable as we could. Um, the website has two parts to it, influence and uh, some things, studies in there. There's one study in particular under influence that I, I, I love to see men go through. It's called Influencers in His Service. And it kind of walks through this aspect that as believers, God's providence has been active in our lives since we came to know him. Well, before we came to know him. And God has orchestrated events and situations and circumstances and relationships to mold us in the, into the people he wants us to be. And that gives us a platform to have influence in the world. And so we are not only objects of God's grace, we're also agents of his grace. So what does it mean that I can have an influence in others' lives? And it takes, takes you through uh, seven or eight weeks of studies. It takes you to a lot of passages to look up and for you to soak through those on your own. Um, again, I'm, af I'm after firsthand learners. And so uh, I don't write a lot of material with each of those um, chapters as much as here's the passages you ought to look at. And, and, and these are kind of the general direction you, you go. The other side of the website has to do with discipleship. And there's a lot of articles, if you will, or probably blogs uh, that are perspectives, but then there's resources. And the resources is probably the place we put most of our time. Um, the Probably the piece I enjoy the most is Set Your Foundation. And it is a um, kind of a beginning discipleship piece. It's similar to what the NAVs have, what Crusade has, what InterVarsity, CBMC, all of these have materials. It's similar to that, but it's written a little differently. And that again, it's written for you to do the conclusions, for you to do the study and draw out what you see and understand. And I simply guide toward the end of it to keep you on track. There is a, um, a, um, a leader's study guide that goes with it. Um, my, my board kept saying, Tom, you need a study guide with this. And I said, yeah, but it won't be an answer guide. It will be what to expect in each of these chapters as you interact with people on these topics. And it's your basic foundational um, studies, God's love and forgiveness, how to study the Bible, um, uh, God's character, spiritual warfare, 
you know, things like that. Uh, and then there's another study called framework, which is what we just talked about, grace, faith, and obedience. Uh, probably two of my favorites are two that I finished most recently. Um, I did a study on First Thessalonians, which is on discipleship, for those who want to look more at being a discipler in how, how I approach First Thessalonians. And again, it's a study for you to do on your own or with a small group. I think discussion is great in this one too. And then I just in the last month, uh, put one up there, which when I did my study in First Thessalonians, one of the commentators made a comment about, we've really neglected the word hope. And, and it's scattered throughout the scriptures, especially Psalm in the New Testament. And, and I said, well, I guess I'm, I'd be the first to raise my hand that in 50 years, I've not done my own study on hope. And it blew me away. It just, it was one of the funnest studies I've ever done. And it has so affected my life in my later years that what does it mean to live with hope? Hope for the next generation, hope for the gospel, hope for eternity. And so it's centered around the person of Christ, centered around a sovereign God. It's centered around salvation. What does hope have to do with salvation? And um, it's just, it just personally, it's been one of those studies that had real impact in my own life. So uh, the writer of Hebrews says, hope is the anchor of our soul. And so that's another, those are a few of the studies I, I, I really like on there. That's fantastic. Uh, speaking of hope, just uh, let's go down this rabbit trail a little bit. Um, you know, can you just talk about the difference between the English word hope and the biblical word hope? Because like in English, we are like, I hope it doesn't rain today. But the Bible, when the Bible talks about hope, it's different. Yes. We speak about hope in the sense it may or may not happen. Just your illustrations. We're going to the beach today. I hope it doesn't rain. Um, and, and so it's a wish, if you will. Hope in the New Testament and in Psalms is, is much more of a, of a confident expectation. Those are the two best words that I could find to define hope. It's a confident expectation. And it's really tied to faith in the sense you know that Christ is returning because you have faith. You believe what he said he would do in his return. Hope is this expectancy that he will. He's on his way. It, it can happen any day. God is returning for us. Or it's hope in eternity that, you know, not only do I believe I'm going to spend eternity in heaven, but that's what I'm banking on. This is, this is my hope. This is this is when the, the market goes all over the place and government goes wacko and everything is coming unglued in our country. No, my hope is in heaven and it's stable and it's unchanging. And this is what I expect that God is going to unfold fold in his time and his way. And so hope changes our perspective. It, 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 um, it feeds our faith, if you will. It, it's the, the, the excitement, the sense of anticipation that it's going to happen. But, I, but let me add to that, that there's a word that's used interchangeably with hope in the book of Psalms, and often it's the word wait. They're both translated from the same word often. Mm -hmm. And so in, in one of the Psalms, he says, it's like the watchman on the wall who waits for sunrise now, the thing is, he knows sun's coming up. He's a guard of that city, and, and he's nervous all night. 
but his hope is the sunrise is coming. And, and that's a picture of God's, um, God's promises. They're as, they're as sure as the sunrise. And so that becomes our expectancy because we do believe it. We do trust what he says. And so it, it's, it creates this sense of well-being, the sense of peace, the sense of somebody is in control. It doesn't matter how wacky our world gets. I have stability because of my hope. That's fat man. I love that. You know, one of the verses I've been meditating on this year is Romans 15, 13, which says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's got the word hope in there twice, Tom. Yes. Um, and I like it says the God of hope. He's a, he's the God of hope. Um, yeah. And how and does it, it reflect? How does it refer to an unbeliever, one who's not come to Christ yet? He is without hope in the world. That's, right. the, that's the distinguishing character. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. And man, I'll tell you, we're, we're living in a world. And I, I have always, ever since I've been a believer, I've always wondered how difficult it would be to live in this world as an unbeliever. Um, I'm just so thankful that that I know Christ and that, that God revealed himself to me. Okay. I want to shift gears again. Um, you have led devotionals for athletes. You know, you've probably led hundreds and hundreds, maybe over, maybe it's thousands. I don't, I don't know how many. I would love to hear the process you go through to design a devotional. Like, and, and are they like 10 minutes long or, and, what what was the process you go th go through? Because you've done so many of these, you must uh, you must have had some sort of process. It kind of varied with the team. With uh, the NBA, we'd have the two teams come together, and we had fifteen minutes. So I had twelve minute chapels with those those men. Um, and if they were late, a lot of teams would be fined a few hundred dollars. So you made sure you finished on time. Uh, with the Indians and the visiting uh, uh, baseball teams, uh, chapel is usually 20 minutes. And uh, with the NFL players, chapel is usually a half an hour, so a 25-minute message. So it really varied on length. Um, for me, I, I usually began with, at least if I knew the team or I knew the like a visiting team I didn't know well, but the teams I work with, I usually started with what's going on in their lives. My my chapel services or messages had very little to do with the game. It, it had to do with life. It had to do with being an athlete in this environment. And it always came back to the scriptures and what, did it, what were they going to do with Jesus? And so sometimes it was evangelistic. A lot of times it wasn't. With the NBA, I had many times they'd have chapel before every game. So many weeks I'd meet with them twice a week. So... Uh, there are times I would be, I would simply go through a book in the scriptures, but I would pull out the things, I'd go through the book of Ephesians or the book of um, uh, Mark, and I would pull out the things that seemed to be pertinent to what they were experiencing in life, whether it was pressure or family or priorities or purpose. Um, and so I would just walk through a whole book so that they, in a sense, were spending more time in that one, that one book in the scriptures. It wasn't just a, a topic. Um, I do write some devotionals for athletes in action. I probably write 20 or 25 a year for their national web, international website. Um, 
I'd written a couple. I'd been asked to write some. I wrote a couple and I said, these are, I want, I want the people in the scriptures, not your devotionals. And so they said, great, write your devotionals so they get into the scriptures, not our devotionals. And so again, I'll pick a topic, but I will uh, I'll, uh, probably take a verse apart. And then by the end of it, I'll ask them to go to the scriptures to look at a particular chapter. Do you have any favorite memories or experiences like um, whether it's a favorite devotional or maybe just an experience where um, it, something, you know, surprised you, you know, <laughs> you know, any, anything come to mind in, in all your years? Um, probably um, I'd, I'd been with the pro ministry about 20, 25 years. And I did a message out of with the Browns, I did a message out of uh, um, Genesis 26 on Isaac, and it was on the topic of passivity. And I talked about that God has made us to be initiators, um, um, that we speak up, that we lead, that, that we were to be men who had an influence, and that passivity always moved us backwards in our, in our walk with God. God. God desires us to pursue him. He uses that word pursue. It's intentional. And so I went through that passage and used Isaac as an illustration of what his passivity got him in trouble with. I was shocked. I was literally shocked. I had more Christians and, and unbelievers stop me in the locker room every day the next week to say, man, I'm still thinking about that topic. Can I ask you a couple more questions? And here I'm, I'm dealing with men of violence. And, and we all assume these guys wouldn't be passive, but they're like the rest of us. A lot of them are very passive. They just know how to turn it on when they get on the field. That's violent uh, in terms of how they play the game. Uh, their games are not passive, but, the, but they reverted back to um, basically handing the, the responsibilities, if you will, of their family over to their wives. And, and too often, I mean, th these wives are amazing women. They sell houses, buy houses, move the family, and, you know, the guy's on the road to the team. But too often in passivity, we've neglected our families and our responsibility there to lead and guide and protect and to engage with our kids in a certain way. Mm. And so I, I just I hit a nerve that day. Uh, I will never forget that day and that week um, that caught me off guard. Um, and so it varies over the years of what some of the topics were. I, I, I use a lot of different businessmen and former athletes to speak, and they kind of approach it the same way. Did you ever did you ever make any mistakes? Like, I'm, I'm sure, you, you know, early on, like where you're like, oh, you know, maybe maybe you did talk too much about the game or um, anything come to mind like with that, like, oh, man, I, I got to remember not to do that. Oh, yeah. I, I think that so, so many times we can become too knowledge oriented as opposed to life experience oriented. I, I, I've heard Randy speak a lot. This is one of Randy's gifts that, that he, he speaks to the heart. He speaks to the soul. And, and there are times I've, I would come out of a chapel and say, I would just speak into their heads today. I, I missed them. Uh, they didn't connect with me. Uh, I think that, that was often I think the other thing is I'd find that I didn't process a, a, a message long enough. I didn't pray through it long enough and let God 
kind of uh, cook and, 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 and reorganize what I needed to share with the men that day. Um, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting. One of the things you just talked about was uh, as men kind of uh, going after uh, pursuing things. That's really the, on your influencers, that's one of your studies, isn't it? Pursuers? Yes. Yeah, one of the one of the studies is called pursuers that we're to pursue our our mate, our spouse, and our master, um, our ministry, um, and so there, there are about six things in there that's that I go back to passages that God calls us to pursue, and that we shouldn't take passively, and they, they drastically do affect our growth and our walk with God. Um, I, I do know, Tom. I have examples. Uh, I'm friends with a few of the same people that Tom is, a couple of guys that played offensive line for the Browns and their stories are stories of Tom pursuing them. Uh, one guy that Tom showed up at his house late night one night and uh, had an impact in his life. He challenged him that night and uh, it, today he's in full-time ministry. And uh, it's just, I love the examples that you're doing the very thing you're writing about. So thank you. That's cool. Um, yeah, so any, any other, any other, uh, that, that, that was really cool. That story about Isaac, who would ever thought that, you know, a story about in, out of Genesis, Genesis 26 would be so impactful. Um, any, any other ones come to mind, maybe with a different sports team or, uh, yeah, I think of, um, I, I, here, here's one that has hit me recently. I think I shared it the morning we were together with your staff um, a couple of years ago. Well, a year and a half ago, I had a guy send me a text and said, um, hey, I'm going to be in town in Cleveland. The NFL sets up physicals for three days for us at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, we haven't seen each other in a long time. Can, I, can we get together? And so I said, oh, by all means, stop by the house. He played uh, in the league for... Um, 16 years, his three middle years were here in Cleveland, 91 to 93. And uh, he was a punter, Brian Hansen. <clears throat> and I had not seen Brian in 28 years. We, I'd kind of heard what he was doing and lost track. And anyway, so he shows up at my house one night, one snowy night and walks in. He didn't even sit down and he said, I, I just got to tell you, I, I came to thank you. And I felt kind of puzzled and like, oh, we had a great time together. I mean, couldn't think any idea what this was, what was up. And he said, well, he said, when I left the game, um, I accepted a position with fellowship of Christian athletes. And I would not have had the courage to do that. If you had not challenged me to shoulder more of the responsibilities with the ministry with the Browns. And, um, so I, he said, and then the second year with FCA, they asked me to become the state director. And I've been the state director now for 25 years. And so we, we had a great evening together, the, my wife and I and this uh, man. And so when he left, I said to my wife, I said, I have no idea what he was talking about, what, what we challenged him to do. And so I went up to my office and pulled out my notes from those years. And we'd gotten a new coach that had basically, I'd been there 12 years, but he stopped all my ministry. He, he, he didn't give me access to the facilities. I, I no longer had a key to lock up. If I was the last guy out, I'd no longer traveled with the team. I could only see the players at a hotel the night before the game for chapel. And so I think I know who this coach was, but we yeah, won't uh, mention his name. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, Randy glad, probably knows him. 
I, I'm glad for his impact. Uh, and so what happened is I must have gone to two or three players and said, it's on you guys. You're going to have to lead the ministry inside. I'll help from the outside, but I'm limited now. And, and, uh, and he did. He stepped up and he said, that's taking that responsibility affected the rest of my career as I helped lead the ministry on my other teams. And then when I went into full-time ministry, and so I said, man, I've been angry with this coach for 20 years. I said, he sent you into ministry. I should be praising him. And, uh, and it was God's turn of events here that, that it did catapult a guy into ministry that uh, I lost my ministry, if you will, in, in some ways. And, and I took a backseat to work behind the scenes with these guys. So it's, it's stories like that that come out of ministry that you just sit back and you marvel at God's providence. You marvel at the way God works. And uh, we get too caught up in that it's all about us and what's happening to my ministry. And God, God is still so active in people's lives. And we just need, we're along for the ride. In many days, we're along for the ride. It's a great delight to see what he does. This is funny. This isn't, uh, this isn't any deep thought or anything, Greg, but I remember when Tom used to have the Bible studies with the Browns and I walked into his house once and there was a brand new couch and I said, Tom, and the size of the guys sitting on the couch every week for the Bible study, they wore out his couches because they were so big. They were crushing his couches. I just said that was the funniest thing. Not many people in Cleveland have to worry about how supportive the couch is. That's a good one. That's a good one. Did Tom, we're going to start wrapping this up. Um, and thank you so much for giving us your time. Really appreciate it. Um, I think this is going to help a lot of people, especially some young people who maybe haven't actively discipled anyone, maybe to, to get in the, to get in the game, to, to, to step out and start helping. All, all you got to do is find somebody who's just a little, a l- little bit farther behind than you, you know, maybe they just came to faith. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, back to these, uh, you know, all the devotionals you've led at all these different sports teams. Did you ever see like people come to Christ, like as a result of those? Two? I mean, I'm sure you did, but like, is there anything that comes to mind, like a certain night where like three players, like turn their life to Christ or, or uh, like, I'm again, I'm not sure how these devotionals go. Like if you, if you like share the gospel at the end of them and you challenge the guys to commit their lives to Christ, I'm sure you've probably done that at, at various times. Um, did you ever see like any, like really like surprising, like, you know, fruit? Yeah. There occasionally you'd see somebody come to Christ through one of the meetings, but more, most often it was in conversations with men you were developing a relationship after the chapel. That, that usually a chapel or a Bible study triggered something in their lives. And um, it's, it's really interesting in the, in the pro sports, probably we saw far more impact with players who had come to Christ as young men and women, but they took a left turn when they got to college and they kind of lived the wildlife and they came into the pros and it was like, see, I thought I'd be fulfilled here and I'm not. And, and then the conversations come, uh, or you see a, a young player. I, I think of a guy, he died of pancreatic cancer a few years ago in, in his young life, but he came to the Browns as an offensive lineman. And 
after about two or three weeks of training camp, he he's nervous for his for his career if he's going to make the team. And and yet he notices there are three or four believers. He didn't know they're Christians, but these guys had not a worry in the in their life. And he said, What is with these guys? And they started to invite him to Bible study. And so one night after Bible study, he went home, got down on his knees next to his bed and asked Christ into his life. And so in, in, I guess at least for me in this arena, there were not the five guys that came forward after something or, but it was guys who were processing, man, my life really is a mess. I don't want to go in this direction. Uh, or it was a guy like Ricky Bolden who, um, where the coach said, Ricky, if you don't start performing in camp here, you're, you got a ticket back to Dallas. It's over for you. And that night he walks by the room that we have a Bible study with 10 or 20 players. And he walks in and what, what are you guys doing? And he comes to Christ that night in the Bible study or a coach that walks by the room and said, what are you, what are you guys studying? And it leads to getting to share the gospel with him. And he comes to Christ and then his wife comes to Christ. And, and there's kind of a domino effect. So it's, it's much quieter, if you will, in a sense, in, for me in, a, in that arena. Um, or I'd meet with an NBA player. I, I think of a guy they drafted one year and traded away one of our good players to get this guy. And I was so disappointed. And yet, here he shows up at chapel. And a couple of weeks later, I, I have the privilege of introducing him to Christ. And then one of his, another one of his teammates. And so it's much more on a quiet, conversational, mm-hmm. relational level with because you've got to earn their trust. They want to know what you're there for. What do you want? I don't want tickets. I, I don't, I don't want your money. I don't want your tickets. I don't want your family. I, I have something for you. And yeah. It's hard. To, it's hard time. to, it's hard to imagine what it's like for them, you know, uh, being an athlete and especially the successful ones, you can you got to You can't trust anybody. So you, you figure everybody's got some sort of motive and so just to be there and and in the midst of that and to minister out of a sincere heart and to really just want them to to know god better is 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 really really fantastic um well like i said tom you've given us so much of your time here um do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to share to our audience i would say our audience are people Christians mainly, um, who are, um, some of, some of them, some of them maybe they have fallen into that trap of the outside in approach to the spiritual life and that they're, you know, they, they're discouraged or, um, frustrated. Sometimes they, they may feel like they want to, you know, throw in the towel and, it's too hard to follow Christ, you know, that kind of thing. That's why, you know, our message is that the gospel not only brings you to Christ, but it's what grows you in Christ. And, and so we just got to, you got to keep pushing the gospel deeper and deeper into your heart. And, and that's how you change from the inside out. But do you have any, any, anything you want to share on some of the topics we discussed? Any, any final thoughts? Yeah, I, it's interesting. I was on uh, the phone this morning with another guy about my age that's in, uh, in chaplaincy. And uh, we're talking about this issue of growth and ministry. And, and uh, we began to talk about what influenced us in ministry. And a lot of it is other men and women in the ministry around us. We're in kind of a weird ministry, if you will, with chaplaincy. There's not a lot of other places quite like it. 
And so we heavily depended on each other whenever we're together. What are you learning? What are you reading? What are you teaching? What, what are the trends on your teams? Um, what are the needs that you're understanding better? And so I think so much of ministry becomes more fruitful because of the people we hang around. I mean, I think of the influence Randy's had at our church. Um, um, just the number of people at all ages he's influenced because of his ministry. People been involved in his ministry, been on his staff team, uh, been in his committees. And, and so it's, I, I would just say to people that are learning ministry, ask questions, hang with people who are in ministry. The other thing that I've been struck with the last 10 years is I've read a lot more in the last 10 years of our real heroes of the faith um, in the last two centuries. Um, the, the older missionaries. I, th I think of the first major uh, missionary out of the United States, uh, Judge, um, I'll go blank on his name anyway. I, when he asked for his wife to marry him, he said, but I'm going to the mission field. And she said, that's great, I'm going with you. And so he went to ask her dad, can I have your daughter? Will you, will you consent to me marrying your daughter? But, but let me tell you, you'll never see her again. He said, yes, he said, yes. And he never did see her again. And they had wonderful ministry on the mission field, but it was hazardous. Most of these missionaries lost children and wives and, and the hardships and when you read the stories of these men and their families, it just, it sits you back and say, wow, God, no wonder you use them like you did. They will go anywhere for you. And so I think learning from these men and women around us, but, but even to another extent, reading of the last two centuries of those who pioneered missions. Um, Hudson Taylor, who made 11 trips over his lifetime to China, and each trip was six months each way. He spent over five years on a ship. I hate to go five hours <laughs> on an airplane. And that was hazardous. He barely made it to the mission field usually. So my, my sense is, is that in ministry, God meant for it to be an adventure. God meant for us to trust him in ways we'd never expect. And I think these other men and women that have gone before us are really a, just a jolt of reality in what it means, I can hardly wait to meet him in heaven. So, and I know Randy's read, read some of these guys too. I, I took a year, Tom, and I decided I'd read nothing but biographies for that year. And one of the biographies was Adoniram Judson, who I think is one of the- That's the guy I was talking about. Yeah, he yep. was the first missionary from America. Uh, I'd encourage you guys, because it, it, it's, it's everything. It's got doctrine, it's got Christian living, it's got uh, devotional, it, everything's included in these, in these biographies. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, he challenged you like some like DL Moody or Spurgeon or, uh, um, uh, Elizabeth Elliot and Jim Elliot and, uh, through Gates of Splendor, all of these books, uh, Hudson Taylor is one of my favorite. And they really, uh, I feel like you have a new friend when you're done and they challenge you big time. So yeah, I love it. That's great. Um, well, Tom, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, probably the best way is through your website, right? Yes, there's an information. Um, uh, there's an information uh, address there. I forget, forget what it is. They'll, they'll see it on the website. Uh, or they could just, they're free to email me. It's tjpetersburg at gmail. tjpetersburg at gmail. 
and Petersburg is like the city. Okay, so. great. Um, thanks so much, Tom. It's been great being with you. Um, check out catapultministries.com, right? Dot org. Oh, it's dot org. There I go. Check out catapultministries.org. There's lots of great resources there that Tom has, has put together. And I think, has your wife worked on some of those too? She, we've just put one entry on there. She did some uh, podcasts with a friend at church that they kind of took a unique slant to it. Um, it was on some of these heroes of the faith uh, that she based it on, but then there were uh, biblical lessons that came out of their lives that she majors on. Much of it has to do with God's providence and God's sovereignty. Um, and so we've just listed one there where to find that podcast. Uh, basically, my website was originally set up pretty much for men that I minister to. And so, but we wanted to post that somewhere where people could get to it. This is kind of unique in that the woman took her interviews with Joanne and put all kinds of sound effects to it and lots of things. So it's a little unusual, um, but I, I find it just uh, very encouraging. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode and remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.